Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mishana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show, Envision Together, going to our next level of best. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Amard Vital to the show, and he is going to talk to us about various things, some of which may include personal development, motivation, performance coaching, and wherever, wherever else the conversation takes us. So with that, I want to go ahead and have him uh, introduce himself further and tell us a little bit about himself, both personally and professionally. So welcome again. First, thanks you for having me. And, you know, uh, I know we're going to get into a, a many of the things when people say, you know, what all do you do? And I was like, that's a complicated question. <laughs> but I like to I like to simplify things. I, I'm just a I'm a young man from a small town in Texas, New Caney, Texas, mm-hmm. who with a pen in his hand and a dream. Uh, I've been a writer since about the age of 11, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wrote my first book, unpublished, of course, um, worked for newspapers my whole life, uh, been a journalist, majored in journalism in college, did that all through. I picked up photography along the way, got my first job out of college, working for a small community newspaper, making a whole large salary of $10 an hour, <laughs> and, uh, you know, living in <laughs> living in Houston. Uh, making $10 an hour was something that I was not sitting well with at the time. Um, I remember talking to my father when I told him, I was like, look, I, I got paid more to work at a sports bar in college than I am with a degree in a professional job here. I'm not taking the job. And my father told me, you will take the job. And I was just like, what do you mean I'm going to take the job? It's, it doesn't pay enough. He said, if you can learn at $10, if you can learn to live at $10 an hour, you'll never be broke again. And he, um, uh, he encouraged me to take the job. Obviously, I'm making $17,700. So my father was nice and he had me do some work. He was living overseas at the time and he had me working for him, taking care of my grandmother while he was out of the States. Mm-hmm. So he paid me an extra $500 a month, which is $23,700, uh, $600. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it helped out to have that in there, but you're still below the poverty line. But I did what he said, and I stayed at the job for one year, and it did leverage me into other great and amazing jobs, which I was the VP of a startup company helping Mm -hmm. uh, young men get college football scholarships. Did that for a little while, and then I got into college football recruiting writing with Fox Sports Southwest, Scout.com, and all those things just kind of built on top of each other. And I think that was when I first started really connecting uh, with young men at that time. Um, I didn't know it would take me to where I am now, but at the time, you know, I'm interviewing these young men and, you know, writing books from it, writing articles, watching them succeed at the highest levels. And again, it just, it came down to the fact of, you know, pouring into those guys and I developed relationships with them and 
that led to me going into mental performance coaching and doing the work I was doing for a company on my own, helping young men get scholarships to go to college. And, and it just, I didn't know I had a ministry at the time, mm-hmm. but I did. At the time, I was just like, oh, you know, it's a business and I just love working with young people or whatever. And, you know, I'm monetizing it a little bit. But at the same time, like I really, it was about the service and just wanting to see my young guys go out there and be successful, you know, and a lot of the, I, I sit back today and look at a lot of these young men I, I've dealt with over the years and man, these are family men. They have businesses. Um, they're contributing to society in great and amazing ways. Ex NFL players. Some of them are in Hollywood. They're running companies, but the the main thing I love is that they're righteous men and they, and they, and they built families mm-hmm. and, and, and they're sticking with that. And to me, that's greater than all of the accomplishments they ever done on the field. And that's what drives me on a daily basis. I say to move me into more of what I'm doing <laughs> now, nice. you know, an author, speaker, mental performance coach, uh, ministry leader. It, it's just all of these things stem from the fact of I'm, I'm a service first individual that something I picked up over time. And I'm just grateful to be in a place where I am now. So you said quite a lot there and a question came to me, your passion for helping young men. Do you think that came from your relationship with your father or any other thing from your life where you felt, you know, I can really help these young men or I really want to help these young men. Is that stemming from a deeper place? I believe so. I believe so. And 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 both of my fathers contributed to who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them were no nonsense, no excuses type of men. So uh, there was there was no excuse I could show up with that they were going to accept as something that I should you know ponder on for more than about five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and I I think that um, the value system my fathers instilled into me, but also. Um, I'm obviously an older brother to two younger brothers. I have a brother who's 32 and one who's 30. And so, and I have a sister who's five years older than me, but I always wanted that buffer in between my father's. Can I just say that you look around that age yourself? So I'm like, (laughs) apparently I'm way off by your reaction, (laughs) but go ahead. Uh, it's funny you say that because um, when my church members hear this, they will absolutely not only agree with you, but just be like, yes. So um, <laughs> I get that. I get that a lot. Uh, I was born in the 70s and this year I will be 45. Wow. And and I, I lean in on it and I, I think that it does help along the way to, you know, keep myself in this type of shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, to work with to work with the young men, but I, I always wanted an older brother, someone who was just a, a go between between my fathers, someone who I can, you know, obviously I can take a lot of things to my, my fathers, but there's some things you don't really want to take to them just yet. Right. You know, you're that 17, 18. You know, once you break over 25, maybe you can take your dad to anything at that point in time. But that late teens, early 20s. You want to go between. And so I want to be that for young men. And the beautiful thing is, is a lot of young men I work with, especially when it comes through with the church, 
their fathers absolutely want me leaning in and being in that spot. Mm -hmm. Not only are you sometimes echoing some of the same things that the fathers are and they don't want to hear from them, yeah. but it's packaged differently. And we all know that it takes a community to be able to build someone up because right. even though the fathers are doing a great job in rearing their children, they understand that I have some expertise and some knowledge that will help reinforce what they're teaching them at home or give them another side of things. Let's just say there's a man who's an engineer. He probably, he may or may not know a lot about sports in the process of going through it. Whereas I'm pretty much a jock still to this day. <laughs> and so I can be able to impart that unto them and, and share with them different experiences. And also if there's an age gap between me and their fathers, I'm maybe a generation behind them. I still have their value system, but because I got to see things change in between, I can give them the righteous way to deal with a new issue right. that, that is sort of new to these families. You're right? through that gap. You know, I was going to say that a little while ago. It's like you're being a type of bridge from one generation to the next. And I love that you pointed out that you have the ability to speak in these young men's lives, whereas their fathers could be saying the same thing, but they just, I don't know why that is with young people. I've experienced that with my daughter. I tell her the same thing and then I hear somebody else say it and she's all over it. She's like, it's the first time she ever heard it. But guess what? I don't care. I'm just, I'm just glad you heard it from somebody and it, and it went through, it sunk in. <laughs> so that's such a gift you're giving those uh, young men and fathers actually. Yes, and it, and, and it's, it's, it's sort of the thing I, I, I've talked many times before and you know, like obviously these teens are pushing back and everything. And you know, I actually embrace them kind of having the, uh, you know, cause they even, that's, that's the beautiful thing about working with young people because especially young men, I want them to, to be leaders. I want them to level up and want them to be strong and stoic. Well, what naturally ends up happening is, is that, you know, they challenge the teacher. Mm -hmm. Like that's just natural because the men compete. So it's like, you know, let me, you know, you know, one kid comes to me like, Hey, Mr. Vital, I, I, you know, I see you over there working out, man. I've been working out too, man. In like two years, I got you. And I'm just like, I'll be waiting for you. Right. I'll be, you know, because they because they want it. They want to challenge. They want to challenge. I mean, that's just, you know, whether it's Kung Fu, whether it's sports and, you know, you always want to test the teacher. And another thing is, like you say, you know, your daughter heard it from somewhere else. And it's just like it's like the first time. But it's like showering. Yeah. We don't shower once a week anymore. We shower daily, sometimes twice in a day. So the submersion of hearing that is what makes something a habit and what's thing was ingrained into them. It's just like. I've heard that somewhere before. Oh yeah, from my dad. You know, <laughs> and 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 we need that because if it only if things only come from one source, we're not going to be successful. All through society, the, the the greatest situation is when you have a strong family. And I and I I lean on this a lot. It, it's community, 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 and, and we have to get over the idea because society is successfully lied to people thinking like, you know, do it on your own, get it out of the mud. I, I, it's all me. And it's just like, first of all, you're lying. No okay. one does anything alone. That's number one. Number two, when you, when you 
open up to other people. Think about what happens when you open up to people and say, hey, I'm working on something and I need your ideas with this. Now that person wants to make sure and provide to you the best information they have to be able to pass along to you. So now they lean into the fact that they want to bless you, mm -hmm. right? And so now you're getting that information. And so now it's a circular situation. You're in need, you're being poured into, they get to pour into you. And now they're leveling up and following up with you and saying, hey, how did that, how did that situation, how did that interview go? And so now there's a, there's a community field where everybody's in on your success. And what that right. also does, and, and there's a reason why I speak highly against some of the governmental things that are going on right now is because we didn't need in the early days to lean on any type of governmental type of thing for anything because we took care of each other, right? Mm -hmm. We had our little pockets and communities who was like, okay, you know, people go to the local church and say, hey, you know, Kelly lost a job. And it's just like, all right, who in the church can go ahead and give Kelly a part-time job to go ahead and get her on her feet to get back into it? You know, Dale needs some help over here. You know, his roof is messed up. Do we have any roofers in the house? You know, we used to have those type of structures in place. And when you rely and I more love, on those, I, I love that. But we, I think we as a society have moved too far from those principles. We just have pockets of that now. And I think it's it would behoove all of us to um, begin to think more in, in that manner. But I think there's been so many structures or things that's happened in society that um, was disruptive to some of those, I'm gonna call it neighborhood um, or village uh, ways of doing things or taking care of problems. Um, and I think when I say disruptions, I mean things as simple as, you know, at some point too many people got on drugs, so they weren't passing those values or too many people experienced whatever. So there's a, a I want to say almost a history or a memory that exists, but hasn't been passed to the next generations. And it's like we're having to do that again. And I think you're playing a part in doing some of that. I agree. And, and and obviously the layers of what happens, I mean, there's multiple source points. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the the struggle that happened between 65 and 67. I mean, because the, the deal is, and, and where I stand on with this is absolutely like the, the destruction of the family is, is, the, is the reason for everything, just to, aside from just evil demonic things, the destruction of the family is the, is the foundation for everything that's gone wrong. Mm -hmm. it, it, that's 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 ground zero. That's absolutely ground zero. Because once once the family structure was broken apart, that's what builds communities. And if you break that apart, then there is no more community because everyone's buying for themselves. It's all me. You know, don't tell my kids anything. You know, this and like it's just it's turned into a mess. Right. And so and so we're fifty plus years in on that. Yeah. And you know and. Yes, there a time when you go outside to play and anybody's mama would discipline you and you you would have had to listen. <laughs> now, I don't mean like like they will go tell your parents or you had such respect for your elders being out there. You wouldn't even do certain things. And if you did, 
they tell you to stop and you sure better listen. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you had you had strong figures at every level. Like you said, you know, your neighbors at a strong level. Principals at schools were strong. Your coaches yeah. were strong. Your ministers and deacons and pastors were strong. Yeah. And and your 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 buddy's friend. Like, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Texas, mm. right? And all the fathers could fade any one of us at any given time. <laughs> and the other dads didn't have a problem with it. Right. <laughs> our coaches, our dads used to sit in the end zone, kind of how you see on like old movies like Varsity Blues and stuff, where they just you know, sitting in the sitting in the mm -hmm. end zone, watching our stuff, and our coaches would just be in there torching us. I'm talking like <laughs> giving us all the business, and our dads just sitting there with their hands in the pocket, just moving, not upset, not having no meetings or mm -hmm. anything. Right. They let them men be authoritative figures over us because yeah. that was their field and their world. Yeah. And if, if dad saw, and I mean, I've seen teammates of mine get picked up off their feet by their pads. And told the righteous things in that moment, and none of us were running to the principal's office for anything. Right. None of our fathers did, because our, our fathers would look at us and say, "Well, son, what did you do? Mm -hmm. not, not who do I need to go talk? What did you do? All the onus was on 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 the kid." And like, I have to say, there is um, something we're doing in society where it's like no accountability for young people. And um, <clears throat> I think we are reaping the fruit <laughs> of, of a lot of that, um, having taken a lot of those structures away. Now, I understand at a certain point, everybody was saying, oh, that's child abuse. You shouldn't be abusing kids and blah, blah, blah. There's a place for that to a certain extent because some people have experienced literal like abuse. Um, but I think having a, a sort of strict standard um, and high accountability, um, I'm seeing it even in the schools today. I mean, you really can't discipline a kid for anything. So what's the structure? Why should they listen? That's why they're choosing not to. Um, so I don't know. I think you and I could talk about these things forever. but <laughs> but. Um, I would like to hear from you maybe um, what are one of the things you're most proud of in terms of uh, maybe a young man that you've mentored and you really saw their lives, their life turn around. Um, what were some of the obstacles maybe that was faced and what are some of the strategies maybe you used to help this young man uh, and, and then tell us maybe where they are today. I know that's a lot, so take a minute. Ooh, that, that, <laughs> it is a lot, and I, and I there's there's so many young men I, I, I'm proud of at many at many levels. Um, um, there was a young there was a young man some some years ago, um, and he, I probably he's probably about a decade, twelve a decade a decade mm -hmm. or so ago, and he was a pretty average, above average football player. Mm -hmm. And but he bought in, he bought into the program. And, you know, I'm looking over his tape and everything. And his dad was his dad, his dad was a colleague of one of my other clients down here in Houston. He was out of the Dallas area. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this kid is probably not going to get a major scholarship. But his dad was like, hey, you know, I just want him to have the opportunity to go get a great education and play some football. And so instead of promoting him as a football player, 
I promoted him as a student mm. who can also play football. Mm-hmm. And so we we pitched him to the coaches as, hey, here's a guy, you know, if you need him, he's available. He's probably not ever going to start, but he'll be a good guy in the locker room. When you go do your community service, he'll be leading those type of efforts. He'll keep your class, your, your team GPA up and, and just be a good guy in the locker room to be able to encourage others and be able to be a supportive guy. And what ended up happening is we found him so much scholarship money wow. that the money his father had pulled aside for him, he didn't have to use hardly any of it. I think he maybe used like $12,000 of all the money he had saved aside. Wow. And so so now the, the kid was able to go to school and get a business degree, but he wanted to go to school for engineering and the school we found did not offer engineering. Mm-hmm. So he went and got a business degree and now the money that he didn't use for undergrad, now he can use to go to engineering school. Wow. Somewhere between there, yes. And so he played, I think he played football for like three years and then, you know, left from there, but he left on good terms. He was a great guy in the locker room. I checked back in with him not long after that. And this kid was like 22 years old and was already making 82, 81 or $82,000. And this would have been like 10, 12 years ago. Wow. So he was making that type of money. And he was going back to school to get some other things going. And so he had got into the pipeline. And so I, I looked at that from the standpoint of how important that was to use the attributes. Because even as mm-hmm. I've worked with, worked with athletes for so many years, mm-hmm. even if you go the full-fledged, you go high school, college, and go to the NFL or go pro basketball or whatever, most of the times when you're done playing your sport, you're still in your early 30s, early to late 30s. Mm-hmm. So... You're old in athletics, but you're young in life. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do with the other 60 years of your life? Right. And so I work with a lot of, a lot of gentlemen. I got a couple of guys who are still in sports right now. And some of them are are in some of the, the smaller leagues. And I just want to be that resource. And I mean, and all that, you know, sort of tied back to my book or whatever. It's like, when you're looking to pivot from one area to the next, like, what does that look like? You know, because a lot of people get down, like, you know, especially guys who play sports or someone who's involved in a particular company and they've been there for so long. And it's like, now it's time to go somewhere else. And it's like, should I, how should I, maybe you want to go to another career, you know, should I go to college? I mean, these, these major decisions that happen, I like to be able to sit down with them. We lay it all out. We pull out the old pad. I know kids don't use these anymore, but get you some, get you some yellow notepads going and let's, and let's like lay all these ideas out. Yeah. Right, and see what we have here. And so I would say that was probably one of my success stories. And probably um, here recently, um, after joining, I've been at the church I've, I'm at right now. October will be three years for me. I joined the church pretty much in the middle of COVID as I was trying to find somewhere that aligned with my values more. And, you know, when you work with teens and you see how society is just totally just messing with their minds or whatever, and the struggles they're going up against, there are some times when as much as I love them, I'm wondering like, is this making any impact whatsoever? Like there's so many opposing forces trying to turn kids into, you know, individuals who don't think for themselves, stand for nothing, just want to be on assist, don't want to go out and work for themselves. And it's just like, you know, am I fighting a battle where I'm going to fight the bear and get beat up every day? And I never get to see a kid come out on the other side. Right. But 
I've been seeing lately, I've been seeing that the fact that this generation who's behind us, the ones who are teenagers right now, entering into college, maybe the preteens through like the early 20s, the revival is going to happen from that generation. Like a major shift is going to happen in our country from mm. that generation. They're not going to have some of this nonsense that's going on now. They're going to stand up for what's right. And so I'm encouraged when I look out there and I see my youngsters out there, you know, praying for their friends, going to school, standing on the word and just being um, great foot soldiers for God's word. And so I'm encouraged of like, okay, I know what you called me here to do. You called me into to stay close to you and then fill my cup up and go pour it all out on them. Mm -hmm. 100%, like empty your whole cup out. Every Wednesday, every Sunday, every, every day, you are dealing with young people. I want you to pour it all out and leave literally exhausted and have to go back up to the mountainside and go recharge. <laughs> and, and I realized it like, yes, the battle, the battle is for me to pour into them to go fight those battles that they have access to that I don't. So that's where I'm most encouraged. I'm most encouraged at the fact that I get to be in a position to be able to say, I've seen some things. I've been some places. I've made all the mistakes in the world and I have the receipts and scars that show it. Here, let me teach you this. And let me teach you the newfound love I have and the newfound faith I have and what I'm doing with you all and teaching you all these lessons and just giving you some blueprints to be able to help you live a better life. Wow. So um, when I was looking through your profile, um, one of the things I came across is you mentioned uh, somewhere sports as a metaphor for life. Uh, expound on that a little bit. <laughs> so uh, when I wrote Awaken the Ball Within, uh, my tagline for that so, book was so wait keep a showing up. Wait a minute. Just since you mentioned that, let's just go ahead and put it out there. You've written a couple of books and one is Awaken the Baller Within and the other one is I Am More Than Enough. And I definitely want you to speak to both of those. So since you mentioned it, I want to go ahead. I wanted to just go ahead and put it out there officially. Uh, so go ahead and talk about sports as a, as a metaphor for life and as it relates to Awaken the Baller Within. So Awaken, Awaken the Baller Within obviously was, you know, written at a time when I was going through you know, some turmoil and things of that nature, which all my books, all three of my books were written during like something crazy going on <laughs> in my life, whether it's personal or societal or cultural, it didn't matter. <laughs> but the way I used to sign all the books was, I would say, keep showing up on the field of life because I wrote Awaken the Baller Within in the same model as Napoleon Hill did with Think and Grow Rich, you know, interviewing high-end athletes where he interviewed entrepreneurs, millionaires, top business people. And so I wanted to know the mindset behind the success they were having on the field, you know? And so I broke all of those things down and I realized that the common denominator was dream building, goal setting, and a relentless pursuit for both of those two. Mm. And so when I say keep showing up on the field of life, I say we're all ballers playing on the field of life because we all have our field. We all have a sanctuary. We all have a place where we, a stage where we perform. That's not just for Hollywood. That's not just for actors. That's for all of us. Right. And so keep showing up on the field of life, meaning is the best version of you. Give that effort every time you hit the field. There's no, there's no, there's no half-hearted doing of this. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to show up on the field of life. And I was getting a lot of what's the, feedback from parents because they would order the book for their kids and the book would come in while the kids were in school. And so they would thumb through it. And because it was written in a way for kids who don't like to read, which was me, um, it's short chapters. And so the parents would flip through it and they were just like, this book isn't about football. Well, of course not. It's a metaphor. It's it's, it's a metaphor for a large thing. They're like, I can be a better realtor because of this. I can be a better teacher because of this. I'm a better lawyer because of this. And it's like, it's a mindset because I want to know the mindset behind the success right. because I've seen guys who are talented, but don't have the mindset to be able to sustain that. And then they end up, you know, getting thrown out of leagues and different things of that nature. And some of them aren't doing so well. So sports as a metaphor for life does tie into the idea that we're all ballers playing on a field of life. And of course, people love sports references when it comes to life, when it comes to business, because you know, the locker room, the the practice, the sanctuary. I mean, because what does what does team sports do for you? Accountability, responsibility, discipline, teamwork, and, and all of these things, you know, practice time. I mean, it's a it's you know, I tell my young men, I'm like, look to the guy left to the left of you. You promise him that you'll be the best for him, and then everyone, everyone is looking to to pour into the next, to play hard for the for your brother next to you. You all are a family, mm-hmm. right? And so all of those things end up coming together for a great thing. So football is a metaphor for life. All of those attributes that are laid out there are all part of life skills that are needed and necessary. And we just yeah, got through talking about family. Just got through talking about a responsibility. That's what I was You literally to say. were just saying it, it's up there. It connects to the whole concept of it takes a village. It takes a family. Everybody needs someone, teamwork. Um, And, you know, it's so funny how a lot of us have bought into young people, even older people. We think we're supposed to go it alone. I'll figure this out on my own. But I think that's the most foolish thing in the world. We need help. And to have the wherewithal to say, I need you, or I need help, or I don't have the knowledge for this. Can you teach me? Um, that alone is a game changer. Just understanding, because I remember when I was working on my PhD, I knew at that point in my life, and I I know so well now too, there was no shame in my game going to a tutor. (laughs) I'm working on my PhD, but I wasn't all stuffy like, you know, I'm at a certain point in my career where I shouldn't need a tutor, what shouldn't, couldn't, wouldn't, whatever I do. (laughs) And what I'm not going to do is not achieve this goal because I won't take myself to a tutor that somebody who knows something more about this thing that I'm trying to achieve, this thing I've never done before. And that's the thing. There's struggle in learning where we got this concept. If, if 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 there's not some wrestling and some struggle, you're not really learning. You're just playing around with ideas or concepts you already know. And so you're not moving forward. To move forward, to truly learn, to access knowledge, there's a degree of struggle and we have to be comfortable with that struggle until we gain it. So when we, when kids go into classrooms and they're embarrassed if they get the wrong answer, we sent them the wrong message. Kids should not feel bad 
because they got the wrong answer. We need to give them the space to learn. You, you're supposed to fall on your head because if you didn't, you don't need me as a teacher. You don't need an educator if you already have all this stuff. But somewhere along the way, we taught people that you can't bump your head. You're stupid. You're not smart if you didn't know it right away. Well, what kind of human being? I don't think that person exists. <laughs> we all bump our head. Um, some things may come easier to us uh, than other things, but you turn the corner or you walk into another classroom and somebody else is going to shine a little brighter than you in that subject. And uh, we're all gifted in different ways. So I don't know. I just, I think we just keep sending all the wrong messages. There has to be room to fail to succeed. And we have somehow uh, looked at when you fall or fail or struggle as something's wrong. No, that's just part of the journey. Let me shut up. <laughs> no, you, you said some profound things and um, and we, 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 we can identify where the problem is. Um, and you can just tell by the rhetoric from uh, politicians and, and, and just, uh, government officials and just people in authority. Now, we we don't want anyone to fail, like at all. Like because when you said like, "Hey, I had to go see a tutor because I know I don't know something." What does that re What does that require of you? That requires humility. That requires submission. And I can't be shown to be weak at all, right? right? I, I'm I'm speaking I'm speaking in in, in the terms of them. Not right. only that. But but the self-awareness, like I, I, and obviously over time I've gotten better with this, but I am very self-aware of where I need to be. Like administrative spreadsheets, follow-ups, like I, I want no parts of any of that, mm -hmm. right? I want to be able to read, teach, speak, and travel and be able to, to mentor. That's all I want to do. I don't even, I don't even want to make my own schedule. Mm -hmm. Right. I want someone, I want all of that to be done. I know I have to do that for now, but Lord knows the second I have enough to be able to do that. Hey, um, Jonathan, um, yeah, yeah, go hire somebody to handle this. Cause I want to do, I want to lean in on what I'm doing because I will be able to do better for those once I know what it is that I can do. And what, what else are we doing? We're empowering others and we're giving other people a job. How about that? Like it's called helping the economy, but <laughs> what, what you what you touched on is 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 a cultural phenomenon that's going in the wrong direction, and that is the no one loses, yeah. everybody's a winner. You're a winner. No, you're not. You lost. Go home and deal with your loss. Mm -hmm. Right? This yeah. participant like it's too many pizza parties and ice cream for losers. <laughs> okay, like we, we got to stop but this. But it's like, okay. You lost this time, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the game for you. It's like if you if you if we put the analogy of military on this, a layer of military, you would say, um, I lost this fight, but not the overall battle. So go back to your drawing board, sharpen your skills, and get back out there again. So we're teaching people stick to itiveness. It's not like you just failed or you're a loser overall. Because I think that's taking us in the wrong direction too. We don't want people walking around. I might, I mean, so many young people walk around with the L on their back, like the Scarlet A and um, 
<laughs> when you uh, English, um, it, they're walking around with an L on their back. And it's like, you lost this time and you need to be able to deal with that. But then you also need to know there's an expectation for you to wrestle with what you've learned by losing or failing and go back and do better. And if you can't do better in this area, okay, maybe this, maybe you're in the wrong area. Go find that area where you do shine and soar. All of that is part of life. Yes, but that takes nuance and empowerment from those who are around you. Yeah. Right? You just broke down like the the kid can't get that on his or her own. Yeah. That has to come from somebody empowering you. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is is what you just talked about, the exact reverse happens because you fail at this, right? This one game, this one scenario, and we celebrate. So when we look at it from this standpoint and and you said that there there's a kids walking around with an L, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you have to be taught what the L means, mm -hmm. right? Because that's a time when you're supposed to go back to the drawing board, go yeah. back to practice, go back and, and do some self-evaluation. Right. But what's happening is, is the opposite is happening. Mm -hmm. we're, we're taking the L and saying, oh, it's okay. Now let's go celebrate. Right. That's the problem, yeah. right? And, 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 and what that does is, is that, and, and, and when I say loser, I'm talking about an attitude that's instilled with them by those who are rearing them in that way. You can go celebrate with pizza and ice cream after you just got the doors blown off of you in a game. That's not a good look, right? <laughs> and, and I always, I always look, I look back into a time and I, told, I, I share with people like, you know, put your kids in competitive sports where there's a clear winner and a loser. Mm -hmm. Not these participation trophies, not everybody's winning. You know, we don't keep score. No, we need to keep score because you know where the score is taken? In life, when salaries and contracts uh -oh. are put on the table. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's like, hey, you didn't get that contract, but hey, the contract is for 100000 but here's ten grand as a consolation prize. That's not how life works. Let's go for ice cream. <laughs> you know, no, that's not how, that's not how it yeah. works. Your yeah. mortgage is dependent on that. And no one's coming to pay your mortgage if you don't get a certain amount of contracts to take yeah. care of your job. Mm -hmm. And so I always say, like, the, the greatest development can come from sports, but you can't do it by, you know, hodling the idea of losing being a norm. It's going to happen because losing leads to the wins, but you have to compartmentalize what that loss means. Right. right? Okay. Like, I was a pretty good track runner. My father put me in track when I was 10 years old. I was very young. Actually, look younger than that. But I remember probably 10 or 11 years old, I was running track. And I won quite a few meets. But some meets, it just wasn't my day. The dude next to me was just better that day. And you got to live with that. And I remember crossing the line in fifth place. And it was just like, whoa, this is not cool. And, you know, you medal for first, second, and third. And you get this little floppy ribbon. You know, for basically four, fifth, and sixth, I think it was like a purple, weird-looking ribbon. And so I'm sick to my stomach. And I remember sitting in the back seat of that car on the way home. And it seems like when you lose, that drive home is just brutal, <laughs> right? And so I'm sitting in the back seat. My father's driving, and my mother's in the passenger seat. And I'm sitting in the back, and I'm just, I'm emotional, and I'm feeling some type of way. I'm feeling, I'm feeling myself on a whole nother level. And my mom turned around, and she wanted to say something to me, and my dad gave her that look, like. Mm -mm. <laughs> let, let him soak that loss in 
Yeah. Let him feel what that feels like. Because what that'll do is when I go back to practice, I'm thinking about the fact I don't want this floppy ribbon anymore. <laughs> and I need to do what it takes to level up to where I don't, to where this doesn't happen again. It and may it happen your, again, but at least I know mom. how to deal with it. You it say, was what? your mom that saw that you needed to process that. No, my mom wanted to console me. My oh, dad stopped her from okay. consoling me okay. because he was like, he needs to feel all of that loss to, to, to hit deep into your soul. So when I go back to the practice field, it's like, okay, where do I need to correct and be better so I don't feel like that again? Not to say you'll never lose again, but you're going into practice with a new attitude, a new fire under you and saying, I'm going to do what it takes to be faster in that moment, right? right? And it could have just been a bad deal for that day, but right. it doesn't matter. You still go into practice wanting to be more, do more, and perform in a better way. And you only get that with the, the lesson learned from losing. Yeah. From so from taking it in. I'm not talking about to where it just demolishes you. I'm right. talking about where it empowers you. Where yeah. it's like, I okay, where did I go wrong? Maybe I was slow off the start. So Let me work on my starts. We have to have a, a um a range of healthy supports around children, uh, whether they're winning air or losing. How do you process that and um and still go uh move forward in in the best way, um, I think. Because then some kids could get into arrogance even prematurely and and that's a whole nother uh, drill. But we're coming to the close of our episode together and it's a couple of questions that I still want to ask you. Um, one of which is, what are the three components you teach in your programs? The three components... Um, well, I have multiple, I have, I have, I have multiple programs that, that, that I, that I work with, uh, as far as that's concerned, I'm actually working on some, uh, some new material right now. So, I mean, I have four to five different programs, but I can probably start with the newest one that I'm putting together now, uh, that comes with my new book. Now, what five steps to get up and create the most of life. Um, we focus on, we focus on five key components to be able to get someone from start to finish to creating a better life. Okay. And so it starts off with reflect. You don't know where you're going until you know where you are. And you might look around. It's kind of like when you clean up a room, like my office right now is a tornado's come through here. And so I need to like, I need to get it right. And so it's like, okay, what's in that box over there? Mm -hmm. And how did it get there? What's in there? <laughs> so it's like, you start, how old is the box? Because if the box has been around for too long, it's a good chance that what's in there you don't need. Right. Because you lived your life for a long time without it. And so reflect is the idea where you look at your life in full and say, okay, there's a mess going on. There's a pile of dirty clothes over here. There's a fire in the kitchen. There's kids screaming in the other room. And I'm pretty sure we're behind on the light bill. Mm -hmm. How did we get here? And so reflect allows you to kind of look through and say, okay, we got a big problem here. Right. Well, the first way you identify a problem is to say you have a problem, just like with addiction. The first <laughs> step to getting a problem is to know you have a problem. Right. And so you reflect on what is. And then the next step is to go into deciding, okay, we see that the, there's a mess here. How do we clean that pile of clothes up? Can we get them over to the washing machine? Do we even need to, do we need to salvage those clothes? Do they need to get thrown out? So you decide what it is you want out of life. Mm -hmm. You decide like, hey, I've been, you know, 
working for the post office all these years, but I want to do something different. Okay, what is that? What do you want to do if you're not doing this? Mm -hmm. Okay, we decide. We write down, boom, what do we decide we want to be? Then we go into the planning stage, okay? You want to write a book. You want to start a podcast. You want to start a business. You want to start a family. You want to change careers. Okay, what do we need to do to do that? So we do the work in reverse. So you take the big plan up there, the big, what my what my mentor called the big kahuna goal, and mm-hmm. you break it down to where every day you're working towards something towards that. So do you need education? Mm-hmm. Do you need financing? Do you need um, re- some sort of resources, some books? Well, what do you need to get what you decided that you want to come to pass? Mm-hmm. And so after that, you got to reflect, plan, decide, and then boom, you're going into now the action phase. You're not going to be prepared. That's understandable. You put as much as you can down on paper and then you take off running because you need to go test drive what it is you put on paper. Hmm. Now you go into that and be like, all right, you know, because I mean, I mean, you're you're in business. You, you've you worked in different things of that nature. How many times has the business plan been 100% foolproof? I'll wait. Right. No. In the greatest. Like you're going to you're going to go along the way because life happens. <laughs> things happen. Markets change. Uh-huh. You just you just you just autocorrect as you go along. So you need to run into a roadblock. You need to sprain your ankle on the street. You need to figure some things out because that's what life is. Life is going to be ever turning and moving in those ways. And so you you reflect, you decide, you plan, you act. And then the last one is to seek. And that's seek counsel. And to me, that's one of the most important things we got to, we've talked about it already with the with the community. Do not try to do major moves in life alone. Don't even try to do minor things in life alone. Right. If you need help with something, go ask somebody. You know, I always say you need a council of people around you right. all the time. And I always say you need a mentor, an accountability ally, somebody who you can write your you can write your plans down, write your goals down on a piece of paper, hand it over to them and say, hey, can you hold me accountable to these? Right. Like because 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 I'll share this with your audience and, and, and hopefully they understand where I'm coming from. But get the yes people out of your life. Hmm. Get the yes people out of you. Like the people who are just like, oh, Pamela, everything you do is awesome. Is it though? Like is every, is every. Well, yeah, it people? is. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> is, every, is every podcast flawless? Is everything you write awesome? Is every keynote you do the bomb? <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Like no critique. Get the yes people out of there. Like people who care about you, but care about you enough to check you. Yeah. And say, you know. I'm you with that. Yeah. Look, 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 we need to we need to clean that up you know but you know what good. i was just saying this the other day i said if you let me walk out of this outside looking like alfalfa and you you don't tell me because you're i don't know what you're going through that's just wrong and you don't love me so hi uh, felicia <laughs> i'm like that's just wrong i don't understand people that won't tell you something like that outfit I'm not saying mean-spirited, but I think people should be, should have the wherewithal to say, that's probably not the best outfit for you to wear at this time. (laughs) And you know what? That person can reject you and keep wearing their outfit. Or you at least have given them some space to rethink and but to just let it go, I think that's wrong in so many different ways. And I believe you do not care about a person. You do not love them if you let those things go. You are just wrong. 
I'm, I'm laughing because I, I had a brother in college who used to say, you know, if you see somebody on the scene and it's just like, his homeboys don't love him. Oh. They don't love him. They let him come out the house like this. They yeah. let him come out with a, with a terrible haircut. You know, mm-hmm. his sh- he, he didn't shave properly. That shirt is whack. I mean, like, just like your homeboys don't love you because you need right. somebody to be like, Bro, you need to re you need to rethink like all all of this, bro. All like that. that shirt was wrinkled, <laughs> your pants are just you know they're outdated. What's up with your shoes? Like you gonna show up like this? No, you can't get in my car if you dress like this. And to me, that's a true hater. A hater. I appreciate the people that will just stab you in the face. Don't stab me in the back. Stab me in the face. Let me know. Um, I can deal with that better. Than someone who's silent, but you call yourself a friend, but you just don't let me go any kind of way. You're not going to tell me what you're thinking. That is wrong. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel it's hitting your soul right now. So I'm here for it. Like you, you, you really you really feeling this, and and, and, I, and I totally understand. But yes, you 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 want you want an accountability ally, somebody who's going to hold you in check, somebody who holds mm-hmm. you accountable, someone who will look at you, look at your plans, and be like, you know, you said that by June first you were going to get mm-hmm. on this, and where are we on this? Right. You know, I haven't really started. It's just like, well, is this what you truly want? Like someone who can lean in on you. I think you need that in your life, and I think the second person you need in your in your circle in your tribe is. Whatever profession or whatever line of work you're trying to do, I think you need to find like an expert you have access to. Right. Um, you know, if you want to be an author, you know, who's the best selling author who you have access to maybe at your church or maybe at a school or like someone near your town where they will be willing to meet with you. Because uh, what one of my guys, um, great, 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 great. I can't think of his last name right now. My goodness, his name escapes me. But he uh, he's the founder of Secret Knock. He says the the most um the most successful people are the most available people mm. the most successful people are the most available people meaning you think oh man there's no way i can get jack canfield on the phone there's no way i can get you know les brown to respond to me there's no way i can get to a grant cardone there's no way i can get to a sarah blakely or somewhere like it's like have you tried to reach out i mean the internet and social media has made the world so much smaller right. you know you, you present them in a certain type of way, you may be able to get through to them right. and get a call from them. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when I, it was Greg Reed. I remember the first time I reached out to Greg Reed, I reached out to him on social media and I was just like, yeah, man, you know, I was hoping I could talk to you because I'd like you to be part of my book. And I was like, okay, I'm going to send this message and I'm not going to hear from him for a month. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes later, I got a text back from him. It's like, yeah, give me a call. Let's see what we can do. Oh, that's great. And so it's so, like you need those kind of things in your life. Absolutely. And you need to be uh, pliable yourself. Once you go get that account accountability partner, so to speak, you can't be defensive. You have to be open. You have to be able to take it. Like I just said, I want people to tell me if my hair is whack. I want people to tell me, but then I can't growl at them once somebody tell me, uh, your hair is whack. <laughs> but obviously they're not going to say it like that because we talked about the difference of someone saying it in the right spirit and from a place of love and concern. Um, you know how it's coming at you, but some people... 
I mean, people can fast and pray before they say something to you and you still don't receive it wrong. They praying, Lord, let this person receive it. And they're trying to present it in the in the best way possible. And But because of your own personal defensiveness or whatever, you can't receive it no matter what. We don't want to be that person either. But um, so there's one final question I ask all of my guests and mm-hmm. it's, which one final gem would you leave with our audience today? If they forget everything we talked about today, you're like people, but hold on to this. This is the gem and it'll help you get to your next level best. I will end with a quote from my father okay. that I think encapsulates the spirit at which you should live life. And he said to me at a very young age, Live the best life you can, then give it all away. Mm. Live the best life you can, then give it all away. The life we live and what we bring to the table is not about us, Mm. but it is. It is about the idea of how many people are you serving? Mm -hmm. Are you bringing useful and needed service to other people? Mm -hmm. Are you making life better for others? Are are you willing to stand in a place and pour into others and not be asking what's in it for me? Because see, when we lean in and do what we're called to do, called to love, serve, empower, mentor, in those different ways, we don't need to ask where the blessing is coming from or if a blessing is coming. Because if you believe, you don't need, that's not your concern. As to where, when, how, and in what way your blessings are going to come. They're going to come, but it's not up for you to know either what type of blessing it is or when it's going to come and for whom it's going to come from. You just do the work. Mm -hmm. You just do the service and provide it. So I I would impart to your people to find where you can engage in useful service to others. Double what you're doing right now. Even if it's extra kindness to someone at the grocery store, mm-hmm. even if it's buying an extra cup of coffee for the person behind you, even if it's going up to someone at your church, your local community center or whatever and saying, you know, I just want, I just was led to come to you and say, is there anything I can pray for you for? Mm-hmm. Like just, just acts of kindness that will just make someone's day and make someone walk away and just be like, oh my goodness. I feel better because I cross paths with this person. Right. My day is great because of that. Look for those opportunities and watch how your life changes. Watch how your life changes when you lean into useful service. Great feedback. I appreciate that. That's good stuff. And it's a wonderful way to end this particular episode. But just before we do that, um, I'd like you to go ahead and share any information that you would like to um, put out there for uh, how my audience might contact you, get your books, etc. Thank you. Yes, uh, amadvital.com. That's A-H-M-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L.com. That's the hub for everything. There's there's videos there. There's resources there. Um, some merch there. Opportunities to purchase my books are there. Um, all of those things are available. My contact form is there. Um, I'm available as Amavi Tall on social media platforms. 
uh, Instagram and Facebook are the most frequent. Um, I also have a YouTube page and different things of that nature. So feel free to reach out to me. Um, the email address is info at amadvital.com. And so um, if you don't mind, there's an offer I would like to make to the Envision Together audience, crowd, supporters, mm-hmm. anything of that nature, those who those who listen uh, in on your podcast. Um, for those out there who maybe have a youth, uh, a young adult, a teenager who's going through a season and maybe that season has gone on a little longer than than you're comfortable with. Maybe they, they've been down, maybe they, they're, they're in college, coming out of college, or, or, or just, you know, just having a rough go right now and, and, and you're concerned with them. Um, send me an email at info at amodvital.com um, and just put Envision Together podcast in the subject line and just give me a quick rundown of what's going on with uh, your young person. And we'll do a 30-minute discovery, a complimentary discovery call, and just be able to kind of unpack some things, maybe see what's going on with them, and just give them a couple of tips to move forward. Uh, I like to offer that coaching session to them and just, you know, be a light, be a mentor to them in that moment, because I know that life can be uh, life can be troubling, and sometimes you just see those you care about who are younger, and they're just kind of just closing themselves off and don't want to to reach out to anyone. I'm offering that to them in this moment. And uh, I'd love to hear from them and be able to work with them and see if we can help them get on a path to where they're feeling better about life and maybe moving into a new season uh, of fulfillment for themselves. That's great. That's a wonderful offer. And um, if you're out there listening and you've heard and you have a a young person uh, that's come to your mind, uh, do go ahead and reach out. So thanks so much. Um, A lot of the information you shared about your uh, website and how they can contact you, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time and being a guest on Envision Together, going to our next level best. It's been a wonderful conversation. And I think there's a lot of good stuff here that people can glean from. Um, I like our conversation about family, a tribe and mentoring and how to help uh, the next generation as well as um, people our own age for that matter. (laughs) So thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on. Of course. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.